Hey, Junior here. Thanks for hitting play. Real quick, I want to give a big shout out to my friends in Ohio, some new friends in Missouri, Bama, Texas. Thank you so much for reaching out, sharing this podcast. Every share goes a long way. Thanks for the love. You know, it's funny, the last couple of messages have been controversial. Now, recently we talked about sex. Last time we talked about masks. Today we're talking about identity. So a bit of a disclaimer, this one isn't very politically correct, but in order to do justice to scripture, we got to go here. We got to talk about it. It's just too big not to. I'm confident we can have this conversation in grace. Let's get to it. I feel like I'm catching up to my weekend. I, so I was up at camp yesterday, uh, actually last, like last night. Uh, I got a it's all like wet up at our, we, so we own a camp uh, up in Wisconsin. And so it's all wet and muddy, and I got a trailer stuck in the mud, and the sun was going down, so I was trying to get this trailer out, it's just me. And um, finally I got it out, but my dog, I put my dog in like the bed of the truck, and she saw an animal and jumped out and went into the woods. So last night, sun's going down like in the woods trying to find this animal, and then the dog comes running up to me, she's like caked in mud. And so I got home like later last night than I, than I wanted to, and then I got the reminder from my wife, hey, you know, we're losing an hour of sleep tonight. It's like, oh, this is just, this is just great. So I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm catching up. I, I hate this whole like spring forward stuff. I've just decided to cancel it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm protesting it. And uh, so it's my land. I can just, our time zone staying the same at home. We've just decided that. And, uh, and you might be thinking, okay, well, Junior, if you keep doing this every year, you're going to get like a day behind. I've already thought this through. And eventually we just skip a Monday then to, to catch back up. So I feel like I got a good plan here. Uh, I need to run for office on that platform. I think I'd have some votes there. But, uh, you know, what's interesting, uh, with all the big conversations that we're having today, we're having a lot of big conversations in our society, you know, politics, or, or sexuality, uh, the recent Equality Act that, that, that's going on right now, economics, you name it. The driving force behind all of these big conversations that we're having, believe it or not, is this word right here, identity. It's this guy right here that is behind every debate. Every time we feel an emotion uh, from a news item or anger from a, like a, a post online or we're offended by a comment, it's this guy right here that feels threatened and triggers our defenses. Like one of the big reasons that our society is up in arms right now is because we believe, you believe, that at some point, at some level, your identity right now is being threatened. And so we go into this mode of self-preservation. You felt this, haven't you? I mean, I have. It keeps, it keeps us up at night. What are we going to do? Our politic is being threatened. Our sexuality is under attack. Our race, whether black, white, brown, is in danger. Our kids are being indoctrinated. I know you feel this because I get the emails. What are we going to do? Our identity is at stake. How can we preserve who we are? Like, do we stand up and fight? Maybe we should run. Hey, I know, we could all go up to camp. We could all move up to camp, not do the whole daylight saving thing, build a, a self-sustaining community, we get some bunkers, store some food, and then shield ourselves from society. Like, that would protect our identity, right? Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Wouldn't work. I've been told I already look like a stereotypical cult leader, so we can't do that. Scratch that idea. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this right here is a, it's a sincere concern for many of us. It's on many of our hearts. Whether it's a real threat or not, we, we feel this threat. So how do we protect this? How, how do we fight for this? And today we're going to open up Scripture and 
And it's as if God says, oh, you're asking the wrong question when it comes to this. Instead of fighting for your identity and protecting your identity, you need to reset it. Because all of us, in some way, are identifying with something lesser. And we're freaking out. And, it, and today, it's like God puts his arm around us and says, can you just, can you just stop for a second? Let, let's hit the reset button of who you think you are. That may just bring clarity to what you need clarified the most. Your identity. You up for this? That's the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Yeah, guys, I'm going to need you to control this. Sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we're at. Or 9, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 9 is where we're at. Again, I'm like behind here. I'm catching up. 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, just a heads up. Conversations about identity get really tense. Uh, it's the nature of the topic. Especially when we look at scripture. I mean, the truth is, and I'm just, I'm just like going to put this out here right off the bat. The page that we're looking at today in scripture is going to ask you to rethink your devotion uh, to certain things and what you get passionate about. And that conversation is never comfortable. Uh, we're so used to protecting and shielding our identity. Uh, I'm, I'm used to this. Yet today, God wants you to just take down all of those defenses for him. And he wants to walk up to your identity and start questioning certain things that you identify with. And it's not going to, I mean, that never feels good. But it's like an operation. Any good operation, the doctor goes to the source of the pain. And then after that, healing comes, which we could all use, especially after the year that we just came out of. And so let's, let's ask the, the healer for help with that. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for, for who you are. God, you are a, a father who is not distant. You are a father who loves us, who's involved, who cares deeply about how we're doing internally. And you address it so much in your word. And so, God, I ask that uh, you do what you can do, what, what, what only you can do. And that is heal us from the inside out. And, Father, may this be, may this be a, a defining a moment for so many of us, not because of the words spoken, but because of the words written. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as the lens of Scripture zooms in, we find ourselves in a city that we've been in for, for 10 weeks now. This is the 10th week. Corinth, Greece is where we're at. The coastal waters have traffic leading up to the harbor Merchant ships deliver textiles and, and goods, cookware to the merchants on, on foot who sell goods throughout southern Greece. The market just down the, from the harbor is buzzing from out of town, all of which are, are careful to do business with people inside of their social class and those inside of, of their, um, their, their heritage. I mean, we, you know, we think that like race and class are like a big deal in 2021. It's shockingly a big part of life here. Everyone has their lane, a lane determined by their ethnicity, by their uh, culture, and by their social status, sometimes by their religion. And everyone is very careful to stay within their lane. They do business within this lane. They do marriages within this lane. They do friendships within this lane. It, it's life for them. But just down the street from the market meets this little church 50, 60 people, some Jews, some Greeks, some Roman, all getting together to sing together, study God's word together, to serve together, they eat together, and, and there's tension in that. Because how does this right here, how does church, how, how does this work when it comes to the lanes that we're all supposed to be in? I mean, in this society, outside of church, I'm not supposed to eat with you. 
I'm not supposed to worship with you. We're a different ethnicity, but how does this work inside the church? How does this work in here? I mean, this church, it's this little hodgepodge of identities, a messy group of various labels thrown together by Jesus Christ. How is this going to work? And it's a question that a lot of churches struggle with today. But Paul answers it right here. And the only way this answer actually sticks is if you let your guard down and let these words confront your identity. And so we walk into this little church in Corinth, Greece, and we hear these words being read. It says, for though I am free from all, free. Now, what Paul means by free is he's saying, in context, he's saying, I'm Roman. Um, Paul's a, a citizen of the reigning empire. He's a Roman. And with that citizenship comes benefits. The lane that we're supposed to run in, or that he was supposed to run in, was a really nice lane. Uh, Paul had access to more rights. Some would call it privilege today. So he says right here, he says, my identity, pretty sweet. The lane that I'm supposed to run in, pretty awesome. A lot of perks here. He says, but I have, I have made myself a servant to all. And the actual wording for, for servant here is the, is the word slave. It's kind of this, this play on words. He says, I'm a free man. I, I, I'm living in a good lane. I'm a free man, but I've made myself a slave. I had a cushy lane to run in. I had a great identity to protect and defend and parade around. But I've surrendered all of that, that part of my identity. But Paul, why would you do this? This is not a sin to like. Take pride in your citizenship. What's your game here? And he answers it in the next phrase. He says that I might win more of them. Now this little phrase, it, 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 this is one of those phrases that we just so quickly read past and we keep going in Scripture. But this little phrase is like a, a hard-hitting right hook. And so we got to stop here and sit in this for just a second. In not so many words, Paul is saying, I... If you had decided to follow Jesus, your identity in the family of God is far more valuable, far more powerful, and far more permanent than anything else that you could identify with. Now, that says a lot in context what he's saying here is he's talking about ethnicity. This is going to get politically incorrect here, but Paul brings this up, so we got to talk about it. He says, my ethnic heritage is not the main part of me. Now, that's not to say you can't enjoy your, your heritage. That's fun. That's beautiful. God created that part of you. Um, you're to worship God with, with your culture and with your ethnicity. You're to enjoy it. When you have Black History Month last month, so many great things to learn in February. Uh, Cinco de Mayo is coming up. Like, fiesta that up. Uh, Juneteenth this summer, celebrate that. July 4th, go blow things up with fireworks. I mean, celebrate Hanukkah, celebrate Kwanzaa. There, there's, so much, there's so much beauty in and fun in, in, in heritage celebrations. God created different colors and different cultures on purpose. It's beautiful. Our dad takes so much pleasure in diversity. And so let me be clear. Paul isn't saying, you know, forget the ethnic part of your identity. That, that would be a shame. Paul is not saying that at all. No, what he's saying here is don't let your, that part of your identity keep you from embracing your main identity in Jesus Christ. That ethnic part of you is not the main part of who you are. In other words, citizenship in the kingdom of God supersedes citizenship in an earthly kingdom. The goal in your life is not to protect your lane, so to speak. I would say that too many of us, and I'll be the first to admit that I'm guilty of this, too many of us are living life playing defense. 
I got to defend this. I got to defend my identity. I got to defend. I got to preserve. I got to shelter. That's what I've been doing, right? I got like bunkers designed in my mind, stockpiles. And, and God says, I, I didn't put you on the earth to play defense. I put you to play offense. You're to bring as many people into the kingdom of God as possible. And that's going to require jumping out of your lane once in a while. But that's not going to happen if you keep retreating back to playing defense because you're worried about your earthly identity. Paul says, I've surrendered my Roman identity so I can play offense better and win more people. He continues on. He says, to the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law that I might win those under the law. That law meaning Torah. Old Testament laws that the, the Jewish people observed and, and observe today. So, um, like, you know, no pork, observing the Sabbath, laws of clean and unclean. Now, Paul was a, a Jew, um, but because of Jesus fulfilling the law, Paul is no longer obligated to live under the, the Jewish the, the, the law, the Jewish law of, of their identity. But, but he says right here, he says, I'll, I'll go back to living under the law. As inconvenient as that might be, kind of like pork, I'll go back and live under the law. I'll observe the law. If it means that I can connect with more Jews and win them for Jesus Christ. I actually have uh, friends who live this verse out, like literally. In fact, they, they come here to the bridge. They, they have a heart for Jewish people. Actually, he works with them and and he grew up observing Jewish law, and they came to Jesus Christ, and, and they're no longer obligated to observe the dietary laws, but they do. Like when, when I go over to their house for like a grill out, we're observing the, the Jewish law there. And they do that in order to connect with and, and bring more Jews to Jesus Christ. So bottom line, what Paul is getting at is once you enter the kingdom of God, all of the sudden, the kingdoms of this world, the, the divisions here, like race, politics, whose land is which, whatever the news is trying to get us all excited about, to us, it just doesn't matter as much because the kingdom of God is far better. Now, the problem is, is sin baits us into, into taking our ethnic lane and drawing really hard lines. So we'll say things like, I'm an American Christian. I'm an Asian Christian. And Paul would say, no, 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 you're a believer who just so happens to have a certain ethnicity. I was talking with uh, James Owalabi um, this past week. He just got back from, from Nigeria uh, from his dad's funeral. And uh, we were talking through this message. And he said to me, he said, he said, Junior, I hate it when people call me a black Christian. He says, I'm a Christian who happens to be black. And he says, I, I, I love my blackness. I love that part of me. My goodness, it's, it's the Christian label that goes the highest. It's exactly what Paul is getting at here. Verse 21, he continues on. He says, to those outside the law, so Gentiles, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. So he says, at a Jewish barbecue, if Jews invite me over to a barbecue, I'll bring the matzah. If I go to a Gentile barbecue, I'll bring some bacon. If I go to a Hispanic barbecue, I'll bring tacos. If I go to an Irish barbecue, I'll bring, and we'll leave that alone. You <laughs> see, I, I'm not staying in my ethnic lane because my identity in Jesus Christ has brought me above that so I can jump around to different lanes. I can jump around to, meet, to reach more people. The goal in life is not to protect my lane and play defense. The goal is to bring as many people as possible from many different lanes to know Jesus Christ. He continues in verse 22. He says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. 
wonder if this is why Jordan stopped working out with me. What, what, what does this mean? He's actually talking about Christians. He's talking about new believers. See, um, there was this tendency in Corinth, and we kind of already talked about this in, in the book so far, but there's this tendency in the Corinthian church for old-timers to leave out the newbies. And, uh, and a lot of veteran Christians still do this. drives me nuts. Um, you know, they'll be like, oh, we're going to get deeper into our Bibles, and we're going to get with our friends that we connect with, and we're going to do church for ourselves. And Paul says, I'm not going to do that. To the newbies, I became a newbie. I'll study the Bible at, their, at the depth that they can go in order to bring them along more. I have, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Yeah, I've got my lane. I'll celebrate my culture. But because of my main identity in Jesus Christ, I'll take an interest in the other lanes as well. I'll jump around, jump, jump, jump around. Because my goal isn't to defend my, that part of me. The goal is bigger than that, to save some, to bring some to a greater identity. It's not about protecting my identity. It's about bringing others to a greater identity. I do all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in his blessings. And who does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? He came, he put on skin, he became weak, he put himself under a law that he came up with, abided by a law he didn't have to, constantly leaving his Jewish lane to talk to people. I mean, that was one of the things that critics would, would, would get him for. Right? A Samaritan woman, a Phoenician woman, a, a Roman centurion, tax collectors. For Jesus, it wasn't about skin. It wasn't about culture. It wasn't about social status. It wasn't about tradition. And it wasn't about his preferences. It was about something greater than that, a more powerful and more perfect kingdom. Now, Jesus still celebrated his Jewish festivals. He enjoyed that part of his culture. But something greater drove him, a greater identity, an identity that he has called you into. And when you embrace that fully, the identities of this world that this world has to offer, they grow strangely dim when you embrace the identity that Jesus Christ offers you. So having said all that, let's talk about this a little bit. Let's, let's take this a little bit deeper. Let me ask you, what is your identity? Now, I really want you to answer this question. What, what's your identity? Here's the thing. I'm, I'm just going to be candid with you. Uh, Personally, it was a struggle for me to get up here and preach this. Not because the text is hard. The text is pretty straightforward. But because most of us think we got this down. I was feeling this this week before getting up here. This is going to be so hard to convince us that we have identity sin and that we struggle with what we identify with. I mean, for Christians in here, come on, our tendency is to look at this question and immediately answer it. Oh, it's Jesus, of course. Of course. I'm a Christian, first and foremost. It's the first thing listed on my Instagram profile. So I'm good with this. Like, Junior, glad you're talking about this. Probably good for everybody else in here, but for me, I ride with Jesus. He's my identity. So next chapter. Can I just call your bull and my bull as well? Come on. We suck at this. We are so blinded by identity sin. So to be fair, let me ask, let me ask this question in maybe a different way to get us thinking a little bit differently. What do you find yourself talking about, promoting, and defending the most? Oh, that's different now, isn't it? But it's still the same question. Because we tend to steer conversation toward what we identify with, whether it's a politic, whether it's a title, uh, you know, being a, a parent, whether it's a worldview, a culture, a faith. Like going back to what I said earlier, identity is what is driving a lot of our big conversations today because that is what identity does. We talk about, we promote, we steer conversation toward what we identify with. 
This is why when you're driving to go hang out, I'm, I'm sure you've done this, when, you, when you're driving to go hang out with somebody, you can guess what the conversation is going to be about. Have you ever done that? God, Jack's going to talk politics when we get there. Mom's going to talk about her job. Steve's going to talk about sports. Uncle Al's going to talk about numb. That's just what they do. But we all do it. Our identity drives our, topic of, uh, our topics of conversation. So your answer or answers to this question right here answers your identity question. Think of it this way. i got some flags up here. All of us, all of us have a set of flags that we walk around with. And all of our flags are different because our flags make up our identity. So uh, you might have a job flag. You might have a sports flag. You might have a sexual orientation flag. You might have a, a faith flag. You might have a politic flag. You might have an image flag. You might have a, a culture flag. We, we all have our flags, and our flags, we see as our flags, they, they kind of make up who we are. So for me, I have a few flags. I, uh, of course, I have my faith, right? I mean, that's like first and foremost, first thing on my Instagram profile. It's like the first and foremost thing. Faith is, is what we all say. Okay, we got our faith. But then I also have, you know, I also have my politics. You know, I have opinions when it comes to my politics. I got, um, I got my, uh, my hobby um, right here. I like fishing. Um, I, I'm, I'm a husband. Really like my girl. I don't know if you ever met her. She's awesome. Uh, I, I'm a father to, to three little girls. Like I'm a girl dad. And so these flags, they just kind of make up who, who I am. We all have our own flags, and they make up who we are. Uh, my flags... Make up my identity. Your flags make up your identity. And they're not necessarily wrong. Some of them might be, but some of them might not be. I mean, you should be a proud mom. You should be a proud dad. You should have a hobby. You should talk politics, just not online. You, you should take pride in your culture. You, um, your, your, your choice of flags might be perfectly fine. The question isn't necessarily what sort of flags do you have. The question is, which flag do you wave most vigorously? Because the flag that you wave most vigorously is what you identify with the most. It's not an identity sin to have multiple flags. That's just reality. It's sin when you grab the wrong flag and wave it above the other flags, the wrong flag. So if I'm taking my, uh, say politics, if I'm taking my politics flag and I'm waving this most vigorously, sure, I can have my faith flag down here, but this flag that I'm waving most vigorously is determining my approach to my politics. It's determining my approach to being a husband. That's identity sin. You were created to wave your faith flag the most vigorously. And then, yeah, you can grab your politic flag and wave it down here, but your faith is determining your politics. You can grab your, you know, your hobby flag and wave it down here, but still it's your faith that is determining your hobby. Your, the flag you wave most vigorously is the one that is determining your identity. Paul is saying in this passage, he's saying, I wave the right flag. Sure, I still enjoy my Jewish uh, celebrations. I still enjoy being a Roman citizen, but it's down here. I got my faith up here. It's all for the for the sake of the gospel. It's all about my faith. My faith determines how I see my culture. My faith determines how I see other cultures. My faith determines how I see every part of, of me. So, so let me ask you this question again then. What's your identity? Which flag do you wave the most? When people think of your name, 
What flag do they attach to you? What are you known for? So, like, okay, you can guess when you're on your way to hang out with somebody what the conversation is going to be about. Let's reverse that. When people are on their way to your house to hang out with you, what are they guessing you're going to want to talk about? What are they guessing the conversation is going to be about? A politic, an image, a title, a team. What's your main identity? See, when God's people wave the wrong flag, we become confused, we become stressed, we become divided. And we're feeling that right now, aren't we? See, this is for you, this is for me, this is for us. And in this text, Paul corrects identity sins, sin that we all have to take care of. He points at three common flags that we wave. This is not an exhaustive list, this is just a list that Paul came up with here. The, the Christian identity is not, number one, culture. We already talked about this a little bit, but we're going to talk about this a little bit deeper. Culture. Paul says, I'm a Roman. I got that perk. I'm also Jewish. But none of that matters more to me than my citizenship in the kingdom of God. So I'll be a Gentile. I'll go be weak. I'll jump lanes because my Roman citizenship, my Jewish culture, as great as they are, they're not who I am fully. The truth is, Christian, you have more in common with a dirt poor Jesus-loving girl living in a hut in Sudan harvesting sesame, you have more in common with that girl you've never met than you do with your neighbor who has the same skin color and votes just like you. Your ethnic culture, as beautiful as it is, as fun as it is, if you follow Jesus, it is not the main part of your identity. Now, again, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy your culture. Wave the, wave the flag of your country, St. Patrick's Day it up, wear a kilt, Cinco de Mayo, Juneteenth, all of that is fun, all of that is good, but the flag never goes above your citizenship in the kingdom of God. According to Paul, and I know, again, I know this is not politically correct, but according to Scripture, your ethnic culture is not the main part of your identity. It is a beautiful part of you, but it is not the main part of you. And let me add this too. Our Christian culture is not the main part of your identity. See, us human beings, we're, we're, we're funny creatures. We are very much driven by culture. And so what often happens is, you know, if you decide to follow Jesus or when you decide to follow Jesus, you join his body, you know, you, get part of, you become part of the church, you get involved with this church, and what happens is that church starts making up a, a Christian subculture. So I, I grew up, um, I grew up in, a, uh, in a Christian school that had a very weird Christian subculture. Good people, actually great people. But they created this really weird Christian culture. All of the women wore long uh, jean skirts and then tennis shoes. Sexy. <laughs> and all of the guys would wear, um, would wear like suits with cheesy cartoon ties. And everybody in the church and the, and the school drove a van because everybody had like this litter of kids, which makes sense. I mean, women wearing jean skirts and tennis shoes, guys wearing Bugs Bunny ties, it gonna get hot. So everybody has like this whole litter of kids, these big vans. It was like their Christian culture. You know, it's like the bigger van you had, though, the holy you were. Christians do this. Churches do this. It's not bad. You know, like Christian bumper stickers, church, church shirts. You know, we got like bridge apparel, um, Lecrae music, Jesus tattoos. You get mom workout groups going. None of that's bad. It's just part of our Christian subculture. It's not bad unless you get sucked into it too much. Because when you get sucked into that culture too much, it limits your lane. There wasn't Jesus. There wasn't Paul. So whether it's an ethnic culture or a Christian culture that kind of has you, 
It's not the flag you wave the highest. It's not, it's not who you are fully. Second thing that Paul points at is uh, tradition. Christian identity is not traditions. Paul says, I live under the tradition of the Jews when I'm with Jews, but I'll leave that tradition to go reach the Gentiles. Now, here's what, here's what happens. Because I know some, none of us were like, oh, yeah, I have traditions as part of my identity. But you do. Here's what happens. When we get older, and by the way, you're getting older. Uh, you age really well, but you're getting older. I'm getting older. I, the gray is beginning to like, come in full force. The other day, I was sitting in the living room um, with my wife and my daughter, Nora. Uh, she just turned six the other day. She comes running down the stairs, and she says, Mommy, I found a picture of you and your ex-boyfriend. And I was sitting there. I was like, what? You have, you have like hidden pictures of your ex-boyfriend around that? we got to talk about this. And Nicole's like, no, I, I have no idea what she's talking about. So I told Nora, I was like, bring the picture to us. So Nora brings the picture to us. It's a picture of me and her five years ago. Nicole looks the same. I look a lot younger than I do now because I got old. Uh, Lindsay, Jordan's wife, she pointed out that guys who come on staff at the bridge end up looking like way older after a year. So I blame you. You're the problem. We're all getting older. We're all getting older. And the older we get, and this is important, the older we get, the less we want to change. We, we don't want the church to change. Don't change the service times. Don't, don't launch a new campus. Don't change my group. I want my friends. I want everything to stay the same. And, and the more we push for that, the more sour and crusty we get as we age. Tradition, again, tradition isn't a flag we say we'd wave. I don't have tradition in my set of flags. And none of us thought of tradition when I said, what, what's your identity? None of us thought tradition. But we have that flag part of us. We want familiarity. We want things how they are. And we will fight to protect it. And too many churches and too many camps, too many Christian organizations choose their past over their children. We don't want to change. We don't want to be flexible. So we get stuck in our lane and we want to keep things the way they are. And that's a sin. It's a sin not to change. Now, it's a, it's a sin to change the message. The message does not change. The methods do. And it's a sin not to change the methods, to get so stuck on our method, the methods and make them part of the message. It's a sin to stay stuck where you're at and, and fight any sort of change. This is where many people are at. In fact, I would say we are all in danger of that. And so many churches are there. So many churches that do church the exact, the exact same way they did 50 years ago. And, and, and I love them. I don't say this to like throw shade. I love them, but they, they're dying off. Because they say, this is our lane. This, these are our traditions. This is where we stay. And then they die off. And then they close the church, and then they come to the bridge looking for a new church. And, and they look around. We have this conversation all the time. They look around like, where are all the traditions? Reverend, why don't you wear a robe? I say, because I'm not a Jedi Knight. It's it's not about traditions. It's not about the architecture. It's not about the song choice. It's not about robes. It's about bringing people to know Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, traditions can keep us from that. Paul says here, he says, I'll change. I'll, I'll, jump, to go under the, I'll jump into the other lane to go under the law. I'll jump out of that lane and surrender my traditions, whatever. Like, that part of my identity is not a big deal to me. So I'm not going to, like, protect it and fight for it. Third flag that Paul points at. This is a big one. Preferences. Preferences. He says to the weak, to the newbies, I'll become like them. I would, yeah, sure, I'd rather be like a little click with my friends. But my gosh, I'll, 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 go, I'll go be with the newbies to, to help bring them along. Paul was not protective of his preferences. But come on, we are, aren't we? 
We see this as part of our identity. And we hold on to things, we hold on to ideas, we hold on to opinions so tightly, we see that as part of us. Actually, to illustrate this, we, so we had a, we hired a guy uh, several years ago. Uh, he was a graphics guy on our staff. Love the guy, super fun. Uh, one of my friends. His job was to make graphics and videos for like sermon series, you know, like the, the videos you saw earlier. He'd make those videos, he'd make testimony videos. He's extremely talented, very, very creative. And when he came on to staff, we'd be like, we'd have a lot of meetings, and he'd be sitting in a meeting, and uh, his job was like present, you know, like a, a package of graphics and videos. Go, you know, Junior, here's the graphic and the videos for the upcoming sermon series. Uh, what do you think? And once in a while, we'd be like, mm, no, it's not what we're looking for. And so we kind of go back and forth, you know, push back on each other, always in a very kind and very civil way. But still, you could see as we were pushing back on his ideas, it was like the mitt was taken out of him. Because he wasn't getting his way, and he's like arguing like crazy, and all of a sudden he'd just get like really quiet, and he'd look defeated, and almost like he was pouting, because his preferences, what was happening was his preferences were tied up into his identity. And so when someone didn't like his opinion on something, well, he took it very personally, that's part of me. We all do that somewhere. We have preferences of how things should look, how things should run, how things should be, and we get so into those preferences that we feel like, i got to fight for that, i got, I got to defend that. And if we don't get our way on that, it's like, oh my goodness, my identity took a hit. This is why our world is so offended right now. We're fighting so strongly because our preferences are intertwined with our identities, and that's a recipe for disaster. That's an easily offended person. Don't do that. Hold your preferences loosely. Still have opinions. Yeah, great, have opinions. But don't be opinionated. Hold them loosely. That's the one thing I tell people when I invite them to a meeting. You know, hey, I want you to be part of our, our sermon planning meeting or a creative meeting that we have. I'll say, hey, bring ideas. We want your ideas. Bring them to the table. But hold on to them very loosely because we're probably going to throw it around a little bit. Don't let your identity get wrapped into whatever you're going to be bringing to the meeting. Hold them loosely. We don't, we don't know how to do that so well as a society. And it's hurting us. Sometimes, um, sometimes disgruntled people will, uh, will meet with me about like, issues that they have with the church. And, and we'll sit down and, and they'll bring their list. It's always a list. And they'll be like, you know, I have some things that I don't care for around here. And I'll be like, oh, great. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the colors on the walls, I would have chosen a different color to paint the walls. Graphics we use, I would have chosen different graphics a lot of times. Songs that we sing, love Jansen, I'd probably choose different songs. I, I, I like redone hymns, that's my jam. I prefer different service times. You just saw we're launching Saturday night service. I would rather not do that. I really like having one full day off with my girls because of school and because Saturday and Sunday, I just don't have one full day off. Saturdays were like it. So I prefer different service times. Uh, I, I, I said last week, I don't like masks. I prefer not to wear them. But guess what? It's not about me. It's not about getting my way. Part of, part, part of identifying with the community of God is holding this loosely. I have to approach this as, if more people worship better with these songs, great, sing the songs. It's not about me. If more people come to church because we have Saturday night services, all right, let's go for it. If masks mean I get to worship with more of you, okay, fine, I'll put on a mask. Like, it's not about the songs, it's not about the wall colors, it's not about the service times, it's not about the masks, it's not about me, it's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. And when we self, selfishly hold on to our preferences, what happens, and I'm wondering if this has happened with you, when we selfishly hold on to those preferences, our world gets smaller, our sphere of influence shrinks, our leadership just plummets because we're stuck in one lane. 
So Paul's saying here, he's like, I refuse to do that. I'm not going to do that. How many of us have found ourselves so frustrated and divided because we fight for so many things? It's just stupid. They're just opinions. Christian, your identity is not your culture. It's not your traditions. It's not your preferences. Your identity is far greater. And right now is the time you've got to show that. All things to all people. A while back, I had some guys over to, to my... Uh, to like my back patio for a fire. I love a good fire. I just love fires. I, I think there's healing. So I invited a few guys over and I told them, invite whoever you want. I, I don't care how many people show up. I don't care who shows up. Just come on over. And uh, that night, went late into the night, like a hodgepodge of guys showed up. A couple neighbors walked by and they're like, yeah, cool. Like, there's a fire. And they, and they joined in. And, uh, and we were all sitting around. We were talking, laughing. And at one point as we were talking, it just kind of hit me. The oddity of the circle that I was in, it, it, was, it was striking actually. So there's a couple guys in their 20s, a few in their 30s, a couple 40s, 50s, 60s. I mean, age was like a spread. Ethnicity, too. A few countries were represented, a few different uh, skin colors. There's a police officer sitting there, and, and then across from him, there's a few guys who had trouble with the law in the past. I mean, some guys in the circle had money, some were living hand to mouth. There's some high capacity leaders there, you know, some business owners. And then there's some more wallflower guys who just kind of go along with things. It was this very odd circle that I was sitting in. And the thought that hit me was, man, this is like this little sneak peek in the kingdom of God. Because that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is people from every corner of the earth, different color, different culture, different traditions, different preferences. But the people who gather up and say, hey, none of that matters to us as much as our common denominator, Jesus Christ. Nothing sticks us together, just Jesus Christ, but that's enough for us. And we're only going to have that kind of unity, we're only going to have that kind of reality if we decide we're going to wave the right flag most vigorously. Hey, thanks again for listening. And if you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Better yet, hit that share button. Maybe screenshot it, share it with your friends. Thanks again for joining in. And until next time, God bless.